going on, everybody? We are back with another episode of the Around the Rotunda podcast brought to you by Dorm Room Sports. My name is Austin Deer, and I'm here once again with my co-host, Hunter Simons. Hunter, it's a wonderful Thursday, man. How you doing? I'm doing great, man. Uh, ready to get back to some home football this weekend. Got the bye week through the system, you know, got to take a, a breather, uh, take a step away from football for, for a little bit and then come back refreshed. So, Hoping the team feels the same and ready to go for these last three weeks, which are going to be really, really pivotal for the outcome of this season. For sure. For sure. It is going to be a pivotal stretch down the road um, here for the Cavaliers. Um, You know, now looking back um, over the last couple of weeks um, since we last recorded, uh, UVA had a very what seemed like a blowout in the second half uh, turned into a very tight game against Georgia Tech at home and really kind of had us on the ropes with uh, two blown um, onside kicks and uh, you know, the defense not being able to make a stop late in the game. So there was a couple couple issues um, there. But, you know, once again, the offense ultimately saved the day by, you know, their ability to put up a ridiculous amount of points. Brennan and, um, and Dontavian Wicks both had huge days um, for us. And Wicks probably made another catch of the year candidate, <laughs> candidate over two defenders, completely mossed those guys. Um, so that was really cool to see. Um, and then moving on to the next week, obviously we had uh, uh, Broncos return to uh, to Provo for the first time since he left BYU. Um, so really, uh, re- really emotional return for him uh, and this team. I think there was a lot of outside noise that kind of brought a lot of. I don't. I don't necessarily know if it brought issues going into this game, but. There was definitely a lot more than it was definitely a lot more than football um, when they took their trip to BYU and ultimately um, defense was abysmal um, to say the least and Brennan got hurt um, but you know we lost sixty six to forty nine yeah we gave up sixty six points to BYU um, definitely something that's not ideal and has you know a lot of the UVA fans really questioning um, you know the decision making by the defensive coaching staff Hunter what was kind of something that you were, some things that you were able to take away from uh, from this really, really just abysmal loss. Yeah, I, I feel like, you know, if I think back to last year, and you know, obviously the defense struggled a lot last year, but it always felt like we could at least rely on them to kind of be firm against the run game and then just give up a ton of yards in the air. And in a game like this, and, you know, when you think back to North Carolina in the second half and, and even Wake Forest to some extent, it just felt like we couldn't stop them no matter what they did. Um, it was really frustrating to watch, especially when BYU, you know, got the lead after we had a couple of turnovers and they were able to, you know, get get a little bit of a lead. It just felt like, you know, we knew they were going to run the ball. They knew they were going to run the ball. Everyone in the country knew they were going to run the ball and they were still getting eight yards at a minimum per play. This is really frustrating. Um, you know, it, to be honest with you, like it didn't even look like an assignment issue as much as it just looked like, you know, willpower strength and tackling ability um and i understand like i fully understand byu is well known for being old and staying old and you know obviously they have the kids that are taking missions and um you know getting a little bit more experience in terms of like time at the college level but you know that being said there's there's guys like joey blunt that you know he's typically been a very sure tackler in his time at uva and I probably watched him have one of his worst tackling performances of his career, um, trying to take down Algier from BYU. So it's definitely a little bit frustrating and disheartening to see that. Um, I hope that it's all fixable. 
Um, I definitely don't mean to pick on Joey because, like, like I said, he's been such a good player for us over the years. But when he even isn't able to make tackles, that's when I know, like, you know, we're having issues with, with tackling um, because he, he usually is, like I said, one of the most sure tacklers on the team. But, for you sure. know, I think what just stood out to me the most, though, was that BYU is basically able to get whatever they want wanted offensively. We had a couple of good stops, um, you know, towards the end of the first half and even early in the second half where – we were, you know, keeping points off the board and forcing punts and a missed field goal. Um, but, you know, just weren't able to capitalize, weren't able to stay, uh, you know, keep keep the momentum rolling in the second half from a defensive standpoint. And, you know, as, as great as the offense has been, and of course they deserve a lot of, of credit, um, and they, they, they also kind of failed to do their part in the second half of, of keeping the momentum going. I think we only scored seven points um, after the halftime break. So, you know, it's tough. The defense didn't put the offense in a great position in that regard. But at the same time, um, I did feel like the offense could have executed a little bit better. Felt like we maybe were trying to get it all back in one play a couple times. And I think that's maybe been like one of the very few negative things of, of Brennan over this year is just when we go down, he wants to make it all up in one play and come back to hurt us. But, you know, at the same time, I think, you can't really blame the offense too much when you're putting up 49 points on the road at a ranked opponent, that should be enough to win. Um, and when you lose by 17 still, that's, that's kind of just, you really got to ask questions about the defense. 100%. I couldn't agree more. And, you know, yes, the offense only put up about seven points, I believe in the, uh, um, in the second half, which is correct. Uh, but still, 42 points in the first half alone. I mean, that should be enough to win you a football game. Yeah. Plain and simple. Um, you know, in a shootout type atmosphere, yes, I can understand to a degree. Um, and games like this, you know, but in all reality, BYU, BYU's offense has not been that explosive this year. It really hasn't. When you compare them to teams like North Carolina and Wake Forest, which we have both you know, I think broken pretty, pretty badly defensively. Um, and I don't even know if you would consider Wake Forest, a, you know, a huge break, but Wake Forest just doesn't push the ball down the field like a lot of teams do. But I still thought that was a very bad performance against them. But if you compare it to like UNC um, and that loss, the, it, it, they didn't even give, they didn't even give the offense a chance to win a football game. It didn't matter how many points they put up and BYU was able to make an adjustment at halftime. They were able to make the stops that they needed to make to put themselves in the best position to win a football game. And ultimately, our defense didn't. And, I mean, Lord, we surrendered 385 yards on the ground. 385. They are not running the triple option, folks. Yeah. That is that is just straight up ground and pound, running the football, and absolutely embarrassing our defensive front. I mean, Lord, uh, Tyler Algier had 29 carries for 266 yards. Dude almost averaged a first down per carry. Yep. And he, he literally, averaged, literally averaged 9.2 yards a carry with five touchdowns. Dude had five touchdowns. Yeah. And on top of that, when you can't stop the run, you know, you'd think that you'd be a little bit better in the passing game. No, Jaron Hall had a field day. 22 for 37 for 349 yards and three TDs. Good on you, guy. Right. 
Exactly what I'm saying, man. Like, you got to at least be able to stop one. Make them predictable in some way, shape, or form. And when when you're just letting them put up, you know, 350 yards for both rushing and passing, I mean, that's just completely unacceptable. Um, I think that's – you can't win football games giving up 700 yards. I don't care how good your offense is. It's just it, – it's insane, honestly. It's ridiculous. It really is. It really is. And, I mean um... – you know, even though the defense was horrible once again, it's it's hard not to look at how positive and consistent that the um, that the offense continues to be. I mean, Brennan, aside from his two turnovers, really did have a fantastic day. Uh, he went 22 for 34, um, 337 yards, four touchdowns. Um, he did have his two picks. Uh, one was er- very early on in the game. That was kind of just like one of those what the what the heck moments. But at the same time, we went down twenty-one nothing, and he came storming back. It's like he does have these moments of one of you're just like, uh, what the heck are you doing? Mm-hmm. But when he does make those mistakes, the difference between this year and last year is Brennan answers the call and makes up for his mistakes. He's yep. really he brings his team back, and we did exactly. He did exactly what he needed to do to bring us back into this football game after what seemed like this game was over and done with. Um, sure. And he, on top of that, he added 11 carries for 94 yards and two touchdowns on the ground. So six total touchdowns on the day for Brennan. I mean, it, it took it took them long enough, but Virginia's finally starting to realize that they have something truly nationally special here. And, you know, it's, it, it's frustrating that it's taking until now, but I think the school finally understands it, even though Broncos been preaching it since day one. Um, one thing that I also wanted to highlight was uh, Daring, Devin Darrington should definitely be getting more than two two carries a game. Um, at this point, I mean, he had two carries for 60 yards and a touchdown. When are we going to start feeding him the rock consistently? Because this man deserves it. Yeah, he I think is, this is the week. He's, I, and I, I definitely agree with you. I think that you've noticed that Robert and I and, um, and Coach Mendenhall have definitely talked about it a lot more that about the progress that Devin has made. And that I, I can definitely start. I think you're going to start seeing kind of Wayne. I think you're going to start seeing Wayne kind of fade out or be more of a third down back. Or you know he's going to he's going to hold that role of end zone back. You know the guy that's going to be ready to punch the punch the ball in the end zone when you need six points. Because I mean that's I mean honestly it's what he's good for. It, right. He, he does a very he does a very good job with that. But when you need yards to push the ball down the field, Devin Darrington has Devin Darrington has answered the call and given the who's exactly what they needed and his limited amount of touches. So I'm really hoping that we'll uh, we'll see more of that um, against Notre Dame this week. And last thing I just want to note, um, obviously the uh, the receiving corps continues to be a consistent uh, bright spot for us. Dontavian Wicks is still a beast. Um, but one thing I wanted to highlight is four different guys had touchdowns. Um, this uh, against BYU, which I really like to see Wicks, Keaton, um, Jelani, and Billy Kemp all all gained a touchdown uh, against BYU. So it was really was really pleased to see that and that we're able to spread the ball around. Just shows how deep uh, this wide receiving core is. Yeah, no doubt, man. Um, one thing I want to go back to on Brennan, uh, my dad actually brought this up to me, and I thought this is kind of worth with, worth sharing. And I kind of wanted to see what you think. You know, like people try to make like a player comp for Brennan and you always hear people throwing out like Steve Young and, you know, it's always these like left-handed guys. And while I, I understand the connection for sure. And obviously like there's the deeper BYU connection, if you want to like dig you know deeper into that, but my dad actually made a good point that I, I kind of agree with. He, he said he, he reminds him a lot of, of a younger Brett Favre where he, is, you know, he's actually mobile. He's able to run around, but 
he's really fearless throwing the ball. Mm-hmm. And even like one of the great traits of Brett Favre that I think anyone can talk about is, yeah, he threw a lot of picks, but he also never shied away from it, you know, from attempting something that, you know, maybe it could be considered risky, but it's, it, it's something that you kind of have to take risks a little bit to be successful, obviously, and try to fit the ball in a really tight window. And, you know, mm-hmm. he has like a rocket arm that he's willing to throw it anywhere on the field. So I just thought it's kind of an interesting comp. I hadn't really heard it thrown out there before, but I was curious if you had any thoughts on that, especially like thinking younger Brett Favre. Obviously, you and I kind of grew up in the tail end of Favre's career where he was yeah. a bit more stoic, but I think he did used to have some scrambling ability and, you know, he actually ran for quite a few touchdowns earlier in his career. Yeah, no, I um, I, I obviously, I obviously, we didn't get to see a whole lot of Brett Favre's younger highlights, but from the stuff that I that I've heard about Brett Favre and from what you know, the few highlights that I did see in his younger years, you know, I could definitely, I can definitely see that comparison. Now, obviously, for everybody listening, this is not us saying that Brennan Armstrong is the ne- next Brett Favre, so please do not take yeah, it. Yeah, he's way better. Yeah, okay. <laughs> <laughs> Brett Favre's a Hall of Famer, <laughs> um, but. No, as far as the comparison goes, I could definitely agree. And, um, you know, I think I think there's a lot of I think a lot of it comes down to as well as people weren't really expecting Brennan to be able to throw the football the way that he has been able to this year. Um, You know, I I know people really knew him as somebody that could scramble. And but I don't think people really understood how good of an arm he has. I mean, this guy can sling it and it shows the progression that he made after that COVID after the COVID year. And when he was able to practice fully with his offense and we're really seeing him break out and have this, you know, career season. And I, you know, it's, it's even put him in the question of, of, you know, are we can, do we start getting worried that, no, I don't even know. It should say worried, but do we start thinking about that? He might leave for the draft this year. And so that's something to consider, you know, with a very weak, quarterback class does he take his chances and find a roster spot somewhere now i haven't i don't i haven't seen any any draft um you know mock drafts or anything yet um i know they're kind of one of my buddies compared him to kind of like a a kyle trask type spot you know so that could be might maybe like a a late rounder with with an option to be a backup maybe for like a vet or something like that i think that would be a great opportunity for him because i definitely think he has the tools to progress and possibly be successful in the NFL, possibly. I but, hope that's how they. I hope they feel that way about him now, because I I think in reality he's way better than a Kyle Trask, at least for being ready for the NFL. I think Trask, while he was a good college quarterback, his arm was, you know, it, he lacked the same arm arm talent that that Brendan has, in my opinion. But I think I did see a mock draft the other day that someone posted on Twitter where he was like going in like the fifth round if he came out. Um, which, you know, if I'm honest, I'd have a conversation with him and be like, look, I think you have the potential to be second round guy or higher if you really like continue to progress at the rate you have so far. Um, yeah. So it'd be interesting, you know, that'll, that'll be some fun and maybe slightly nerve wracking off season talk for sure. <laughs> and I think another person you'll have to really, you know, ask a question about too is, is Don Taven Wicks. I mean, a lot of people forget, but he, he actually is a, this is his third season. Um, he had the medical red shirt last year. So he is eligible to go into the draft this year. Um, my hope is that, you know, he, he also kind of sees the, uh, 
sees the ability to, to develop even further in an environment where, you know, he's going to continue to get utilized a lot and be a special player on our team. Whereas if he went to the NFL early, obviously you'd have a, you'd be competing for a spot and, and for, you know, for, for an actual salary and a, a, a job at that point, which, you know, you want to go in as prepared as possible. So personally, I think he, he probably has a little bit more to improve on, but at the same time, I, I know it's going to be a conversation because he is definitely catching the attention of people across the country for sure. Yeah, no, I couldn't agree more. I couldn't agree more. Um, so before we move on um, from the two games, uh, I'm going to want to see what our score predictions were for Georgia Tech and BYU. <laughs> so what do we have for Georgia Tech? UVA ended up winning that game 48 to 40. So I had a uh, 31 to 17 and you had 42 to 28. I think we might have adjusted our scores, but I can't remember exactly what we said on the pod. So I think we both bumped up UVA and Georgia Tech's scoring output. You might have kept it about the same for UVA, but I want to say we were both sitting somewhere around like 44 to 31 or something like that in that ballpark. Gotcha. Okay. So, okay. All right. So not, not too bad. Not too far off. Yeah. <laughs> true. True. Uh, what, then, about, uh, what about BYU? Yeah, so for BYU, you had 35 to 24, oh, and I had 38 <laughs> to 35, which was pretty close to the halftime score. It was actually yeah. almost that if UVA didn't score, because UVA scored with like like 20 seconds left in the first half to make it 42 to 38. Otherwise, it would have been 38 to 35, but yeah, again, that's the halftime score, and we both had UVA winning, so... Didn't it was, quite turn out how we expected. I will say, I thought there'd be a little bit more defense in this game. Not a yeah. whole lot more, but a little bit more. <laughs> Gosh, it was really forty-two to thirty-eight at halftime. Yeah, that's just absurd, man. Yeah, I could absolute, barely breathe. <laughs> my heart absurd. was racing. Oh my gosh, I know, I know. I literally, I think I literally slept like four, like four, four hours that night because I had to get up super early for for oh, a baseball tournament brutal. too. So like, it was it was horrible. <laughs> yeah, it was not um, great. But uh, so, yeah, so moving on, uh, the Hoos are, you know, currently six and three um, and heading into was a very tough stretch against uh, Notre Dame, Pitt and Virginia Tech. Um, this is this is the gauntlet of the schedule. We knew this was going to be the gauntlet of the schedule. Um, and ultimately, I think based off where we started the season, kind of, you know, winning four games in a row, even though we took that loss to BYU, doesn't affect the conference play. Um so I'm, I'm really looking at this as a really good opportunity where I think the bye week came at literally the perfect time of the season, um, especially with Brennan getting hurt um, in the in the BYU game. There's still a lot of questions surrounding that, um, but with the team being banged up, hopefully maybe some guys are able to get some rest and maybe a little bit more rejuvenated, especially on the defensive side of the ball, um, going into three games that – are literally pivotal for the season. Um, you know, I know Notre Dame doesn't mean a whole lot from an ACC standpoint, but from a national scale, I mean, they literally put this game on sev- at 7.30 on ABC. We haven't had that in a long time in Charlottesville, I'm pretty sure. Last I can remember. Can't, can't think of the last so time. to be able to get that primetime spot, this is a really huge opportunity for Charlottesville and you know, a really huge opportunity just for, you know, the school itself, the team to really make a statement. And if they could find a way to knock off Notre Dame at – at home, I think that would be huge. So, some big storylines kind of looking in uh, from the bye week. Uh, I think the biggest question on everybody's mind is uh, will Brennan be ready to go for Notre Dame? The coaching staff has really kept this super secretive. You know, they've talked about it being 
a day-to-day situation and that you're probably not going to find out until, you know, the offense runs out on the field for the first time. Now for me, Hunter, I don't really understand why, you know, the secretiveness of this, Mm -hmm. Um, you know, I know how this coaching staff works and they can be different at times with stuff like this, but when it's your starting quarterback, I want to know, the, I think the fan base deserves to know these situations and things like that, that, especially when your starting quarterback is having the career year that he has, that he is. And so it really kind of makes you wonder, like, what's the, uh, what's the real situation? I kind of want to get your thoughts, Hunter, on, you know, do you think that Brennan's going to start if he's not 100% but still good enough to go? Should he start? Where are you, where are you kind of at with this whole thing? Yeah, so, I mean, it's so hard to tell, right? Like, if I had a crystal ball, like, obviously, that'd be great. I could, could tell you right away. But I, I truly don't think anyone really knows. And I don't think that – I don't think that the coaching staff even knows yet. Um, Bronco is, like, not I, – I, I do think that he is a bit secretive, for sure, and cryptic with the media. But at the same time, I kind of trusted the part that he said the other day where he mentioned, you know, Brennan's got the experience he's got he, he's proven he's earned the right essentially to be able to go all the way up until what what time's the game it's 7 29 and find out if he's ready to go or not and I personally think knowing this coaching staff and how hesitant they've even been to pull out starting quarterbacks from games when we're winning by 40 points I think he's gonna play if he's ready I think they want to win every single game I understand you know, the strategy behind, hey, this game ultimately doesn't really matter that much in the grand scheme of things. If we're just focused on, you know, getting the chance to win the ACC Coastal and possibly contend for an ACC championship, because that is actually in the cards this year. Mm-hmm. Um, I understand that. But here's my thing with, with these rib injuries. Like, I don't know how much is truly like what permanent damage can you do versus what's pain tolerance and what is he able to withstand within a game and just knowing Brennan Armstrong like from from a fan perspective and what we hear about him through the media this guy is like the ultimate competitor so if it's up to him and if he has any feeling of being able to play I think he's going to try to um that said like what would I do personally I'd have a hard time not playing him if he was ready to go I I, I'm a competitor I want to win every game I totally understand the long-term vision, but look, we got a guy, like people are talking about how we should be so focused on the ACC and like maximizing our chances of winning the conference and how that would do a lot of great, you know, a lot of good for UVA in in the long run with recruiting and, you know, national exposure. I get that, but I would make the same argument about Brennan being a serious contender for the Heisman would be something that would actually bring exposure to UVA beyond what we've had and if he can come out in a game against Notre Dame with the story of hey two weeks ago this guy like broke his ribs or you know severely injured himself against BYU he toughed it out came out played in a primetime game on ABC in front of a national audience and balled out and had a Heisman moment against Notre Dame and thrust himself right into that conversation I would argue that is just as valuable for UVA's national exposure as competing for an ACC championship. That's just my opinion. No, I couldn't agree with you more, honestly. You know, I've been I've been debating this back and forth as to, you know, what the 
best plan of attack is. And because I do understand both sides. I, I do see the value in beating a team like Notre Dame and Brennan, be, Brennan being able to put on a show uh, against a very highly valued team in the college football world. Right. And, you know, on the national spotlight, I do get that. But I also see the side of, in all reality, this game doesn't matter. And we have two games coming up against Pitt and Virginia Tech that mean everything to winning the ACC Coastal title this year. So in that case, I, I do see both sides. If it were me, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go opposite of you for this. If he's not 100% and can't play Brennan football, do not play him. That's just my personal opinion. And, you know, we'll, right, we'll see what happens on Saturday. Would I love to see him run out on the field? 100% I would. There is literally nobody else that I would rather see run out on the field than Brandon Armstrong. That's the one thing that I'm looking for this weekend. Right. And, you know, obviously our backup situation really isn't all that bad, I don't think. And we'll get into that later on um, in, a, in a few minutes. But, you know, definitely something that we'll, uh, we'll be looking out for uh, this weekend. So another thing, uh, how will the defense rebound after giving up 66 to BYU? Um, will Bronco and, you know, a follow up question to that, will Bronco actually fire Nick Howell this year? You know, we've, we've seen a, a lot of loyal, you know, Bronco's very loyal to his assistant coaches. He's fired an eye before and brought him back. And, you know, <laughs> so, there's a lot of questions. I think that UVA fans are finally starting to get extremely pissed off about this defense. And, you know, obviously we don't like slandering the coaches or the players in, in any way, but ultimately I'm going to go after the coaches before I go after the players. And ultimately the game plan hasn't been there and the preparation and practice hasn't been there. There's been no transparency in press conferences, especially from Nick Howell this week. Um, it was very frustrating to listen to him talk to the media um, where it just didn't seem like he was interested at all. It almost seemed like he already had one foot out the door. Brennan, uh, Hunter, what do you kind of make of this? Um, I, I know this is something that's been a very touchy topic for a lot of um, for a lot of people within the UVA fan base. And, you know, some people come to the defense of the coaching staff and whatnot. But ultimately, we got to look at the big picture here and recognize that we have too good of an offense to have the defenses this bad. Yeah, I think like, you know, the most important thing, and you already mentioned that, but just to reiterate, like nothing is personal here. Like there's nothing personally against any of these people that are coaches on our staff, players on our team. If, if I'm ever like critiquing something, it's truly from a fan perspective that I think that they maybe could be doing better, but that doesn't mean I don't like them as a person. I got to say like it's results oriented business these guys are getting paid way more than any of us average fans will ever see. And, you know, he's been coaching as a defensive coordinator at the highest level of college football for 10 years. Like he's financially going to be just fine if we decide to move on from him. And I don't think like his family is going to fall apart. I mean, I, I don't want anyone, I, I don't like calling for anyone to get fired necessarily like publicly, but I can't tell you that there haven't been conversations between me and you. And, you know, even within my own thoughts, like how is it possible that you can just continue to underachieve at this level and also be very complacent about it? It's not like it'd be one thing if I saw just drastic changes that were clearly some sort of effort 
to improve this defense being taken. If anything, I've seen the exact opposite. I've seen almost an, an arrogance of him. And this is the way it comes across. It might not be what is actually happening, but the way it comes across to the fan base, when you don't make any changes after, you know, that game against North Carolina and the game against, uh, against Wake Forest where the defense just simply could not do anything to stop the other team's offense when in the most critical moments, it comes across as super arrogant and that you think you're smarter than, than everyone else. And that, you know, you're, you're kind of shifting the blame onto the players at that point, because, Hey, if, if you're telling us this is the best schematic way to set up the team in order to maximize our chance to win, and that's the product on the field, I'm really, really concerned because, you know, we've got fifth, six-year guys out there starting, you know, in their third and fourth season starting, and they're somehow getting worse every year. And sometimes even, like, week over week, I'm seeing, like, significant decrease in their ability. I, I, I think that's, you know, signs of something that's, you know, it, it, it's not like the rot is just, like, beginning to creep in. It's starting to spread. Like in my, exactly. I think you're starting to see maybe a defense and players that aren't fully bought in to what the coach is saying. And, you know, I don't want to make a big deal out of this. And I know this is old history at this point, but you know, when a guy like Jawan breaks leaves last year in the middle of the season, just unexpectedly, no one expects him to go like, I mean, you got to wonder, did he see some writing on the wall here where, Hey, schematically, this is not going to work. I'm not mm-hmm. going to be maximized for my talents here. I got to go somewhere that I'm going to be used in the way that I can be effective. Um, it really makes you wonder. Um, so, you know, I'm hoping going into this week, we see that change. You know, he, he's still at a point in my opinion, if I saw a drastic change and a change of mindset and really saw the team turned around, kind of like the offense did a couple of years ago, I could still be one back over by him, but I'm telling you, like, for me, it's, it's at the point where if the season ended today, I if I was the head coach, it would be a no-brainer. I think he'd be gone. For sure. For sure. I definitely I definitely agree and we'll I guess we'll just have to see what happens. But this is a um this is a and this pivotal stress that you know Virginia has going forward in the next three games. The defense is gonna have to find a way to step up and ultimately it's gonna come on come down on Nick Howell's hands, um, you know, regardless of what happens. So I'm hoping yeah. that things make it make a turnaround for the better. Um, Bronco also did shed a little bit of light of, um, on Lavelle Davis this week. Um, he did mention that Lavelle is a long ways away from, uh, from returning. Um, you know, as far as the, uh, there's been a lot of, there's been a lot of kind of, a lot of different ideas thrown around about Lavelle and if he's just going to randomly appear one week and, or the other, um, Hunter, I know you and I have had multiple discussions about this and, you know, it, it's it's hard to say. Um, you know, he is coming off a very serious injury. So, you know, with the way the wide receiving group has performed uh, this year, it's not like that we're desperate to have him back. Um, you know, obviously, obviously, it's like one of those things where, like, yeah, it'd be great to have him back. But, you know, with the way that Wicks has performed, Jelani, Keaton, Billy Kemp, Rayshon mm-hmm. Henry, like, you know, the, the list has continued to be, you know, the, the list has continued continue to you know grow of this deep wide receiving group and you know a lot of the guys have stepped up to the uh stepped up the call with when Lavelle went out and you know there was a big question mark at the beginning of the season is who, who was going to step up and right. so um you know we definitely have seen that you know especially from Wicks um it's been a huge year for him and um I don't see any real need to rush Lavelle back but um you know I I think I think you and I are both in a kind of agreement with that 
Yeah. I mean, I agree. It's, it's just crazy to think like a year ago or, you know, even in the spring when we heard about his ACL injury and fast forwarding to now, if we heard a clip of us saying like, Hey, it's really not a huge deal if he comes back or not. Like, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, that would have been it's crazy, it's crazy to think that for sure. For sure. Yeah, obviously um, I, I think it'd be good to have him. I still just don't know. I mean, having listened to Broncos say it after I first read it in on Twitter and then listened to press conference, I had a different opinion. When I first heard it, I thought he was honestly just being his cryptic sly self. <laughs> I think after hearing it, I, I, I believe him a little bit more. Still don't think he's – I think we could see him this year, but it wouldn't be more than two games. I'll put it that way. I don't think it's going to be more than maybe the Tech game and a bowl game or maybe an ACC championship if we make it there. For sure, for sure. So should be interesting to see what happens. Um, one last storyline from the bye week, um, and it's mainly kind of transferring into Notre Dame week, is when when you look on – when you go to buy your tickets for the uh, Notre Dame game, for those who don't have uh, – who those for those who aren't season ticket holders, the uh, the price for the tickets have been abnormally high. Uh, you know, we, we have upper-level nosebleeds that are going for 135 which never in my lifetime have I seen tickets go that high that haven't been on a secondary market. So, Hunter, I think we're both in agreement. I think a lot of the fan base agrees. This is a huge miss by the athletic department and the way they went about pricing these tickets. I mean, yes, I understand that you have the number, what is the number nine team in the country coming into town in Notre Dame. I, I get that. But when you when you harp every single week when the media questions you, about you're doing everything you can to get fans in the seats. What makes selling tickets for 135 to $150 up in the upper deck worth it for a fan to come watch UVA football? There, there's yeah. no, there's no worth there. There's none. Yes, is it a good? Or do we have a d- decent football team? We absolutely do. We're six and three. La di da. Good for us. But when there is no true demand for the casual public to go and buy a ticket for the UVA for, to watch UVA football, much less a hardcore UVA fan, they're going to see that price and think, holy crap, this makes no sense. And yeah. it doesn't make any sense. That's uh, crazy, especially given the number of open seats and how much more they could sell if they were willing to just be flexible on these prices, man. It's like, this is crazy. I mean, I'm so thankful we have season tickets because – what you and I paid for in season tickets, if you try to buy a ticket in our section right now on the UVA website, it's legitimately almost expen- as expensive as an entire season, which yeah, is just unfathomable. It's literally like – it's literally the, – the price for one seat in our section is literally cutting – like the Notre Dame game, it cuts it literally directly in half. Yep. So the value for that one seat is almost defined by this Notre Dame game. That makes, that makes no sense. It yeah. makes no sense whatsoever. I don't get it either. And I, so, like, I understand, you know, proposing the idea of, hey, well, why don't you just buy season tickets? Because not everybody can go to every game. Right. And I want, people, I want people you, in seats every week. I don't want people with season tickets that don't show up, you know. Exactly. And I can almost understand charging that price for if you have tickets that are on sale within the 20 to 20 yard line, a lower level. I could almost understand it. I could understand like 130 being like the most. Right. But for charging people $150 to 
to sit in the upper deck is absolutely asinine. Yep. Makes no sense whatsoever. And they are trying to cover it up by throwing out these random discounted prices that, first of all, are horribly publicized. Horribly publicized. You have to go to some secondary website to purchase this discounted ticket. And, you know, people will probably question like, okay, well, is is this actually going to work? Instead of going through the Virginia website. I mean, it it just doesn't, none of it made sense. I mean, you had a perfect opportunity with Veterans Day being today. Why, Why not offer, you know, a seriously discounted price for active and retired military? Right. If you want an opportunity to sell tickets, why would you not say, hey, $50 to, I mean, shoot, even it's in the end zone. Upper deck end zone. Who cares? Yeah. Get All I can think is stands. they've somehow run some like cost benefit analysis thing where they somehow think that even if it reduces the quantity of people in seats that at this price, they are more profitable for a given game than reducing the, this, the ticket prices and, you know, seeing a higher quantity of people. My response to that as someone that's like a business minded person is, you, you don't focus on like just the near term, hey, profitability today for this one game. You got to think about long term relationship with these fans and you want repeat business from them. Exactly. And you're price gouging. You're legitimately price gouging. I mean, I, I don't want to throw it around the term like predatory pricing, but it kind of is. It's like just, you know, the everyday man like is going to have trouble like justifying this one time expense to go sit up in, you know, the nosebleeds and, you know, <laughs> supported team you know it's, it just doesn't make any sense it, it, it'd be one thing if we were selling out every single game and it was like you know oh, next to impossible to get your hands on a set of tickets it's not like the supply is short it's it's just the, the price is unreal and it's like I, I just don't understand like what the principle is behind it i'd love to have a conversation with someone who makes these decisions and really just try to build a real understanding of what are you trying to do because i don't understand um I know we both voiced our frustration over, over Twitter. And we've, it's, we aren't in the, we aren't the only ones out there that feel that way. It's a common consensus across the board. Um, You know, I, they need to do something about it. I think they honestly does the fan base deserves some like explanation for what is going on here, because this is just like, honestly, I, I just think it's almost like unforgivable. Like, it, does, it doesn't line doesn't up. It doesn't make I mean, any sense. The game that should be the most expensive game should be Virginia Tech, hands down. That should be – I don't care what – I don't care what their record is. I don't care who else you have coming to town. No matter what, the game against Virginia Tech, your biggest rivalry game should be the most expensive game on the market, hands down. A random, a random game against Notre Dame, in my opinion, should not be double the price of a, of a game against Virginia Tech. Yeah, that, that is crazy. I, I agree with that. I, I think I could wrap my head around Notre Dame being more expensive, but they no matter what, the price for both games should be way less than what is currently listed at. Like that's just it's just crazy, man. Like it's very arrogant. Again, like it's very arrogant setting prices at that level and then thinking the fan base is stupid enough to fall for this trick of, hey, we inflated the prices up to 300% of their normal level and then offered you some huge promo $40 off. It's like, yeah, it's, it's, it's like, like the freaking, uh, 
mattress stores of the going going out of business sale where we doubled our prices for the day, but we're giving you twenty percent off. It's like yeah, it's, it's like not a discount. It's like you're one of the it's like you're one of the premier academic institutions in all of America, and you know you may like you made it seem like you're just like it. I, I don't know, clueless. I, I yeah. just don't understand. It just doesn't make it. It makes absolutely no sense, and honestly, it's a slap in the face to the fans. And I had a fan. I had a fan tell me today that you know he went and paid normal price for friends and family to come to the game this weekend. And now that these promos are coming out, he feels like he got screwed. <laughs> and and I told him I was like, yeah, because you did. I was like, I said, I would seriously recommend you go into voice your voice yourself to the to the school. I was like, because this is exactly what this is is a total screw job. Yep. Yeah, it's and, not fair. And you would think that, hey, primetime on ABC, okay, sounds great. We need a full house there. Yeah. Upper deck, upper deck should be fifty dollars, I think. If you go if you go to the fifty yard line, seventy five. Fine. I think that's fair price. You go a lower level, as you get closer to the fifty, max 110, 120 bucks. Okay. Go to the go to the end zone lower level, seventy five. I think if you put it at that price point, because you still do have a ranked team coming into town. You still have a huge school coming into town. Yep. If you put it at that price point, I guarantee you we would almost have a sellout. Yeah, because Notre Dame travels. That they will have no issue getting I mean, at those prices, shit, Notre, Notre Dame might not even come. Right, exactly, exactly. Like, I mean, that's, that's I mean, because – I got a, I got a, I got a guy that's um, you know, a dad on my, on my baseball team, the Notre Dame fan. He saw those prices. He was like, I'm not coming. <laughs> he said, I can't afford that. Yeah, I'd be very curious to know what Tech charged for their game against Notre Dame. I was, um, I saw tickets on the secondary market for seventy five. So can't even right around that. Yeah, and that's a stadium that's packed. 100%. Like sold out because there's a demand for Virginia Tech football. Yeah, there's not a demand for UVA. Football. But we'll get into that another day. <laughs> yeah, but anyway. So moving <laughs> on. Uh, obviously, Virginia plays Notre Dame this week. Uh, number nine team in the country. Um, this is a huge, huge game for us on many levels. Uh, Notre Dame is coming coming off a pretty handle win against Navy, um, thirty four to six. This is a team that has been pretty successful all year. Kind of hard to say, um, you know, how good this team is. They played a lot of close football games. They beat they beat Florida State by three. They beat Toledo by three. They lost to Cincinnati. They beat Virginia Tech by three. They beat UNC by ten. Like they have played a lot of close football games. So it's kind of really hard to say how good this team actually is. Now they're Notre Dame. They have a lot. They have a lot of good talent on that team, and this is also a team that's kind of been in quarterback hell this year. Um, so it's com- two. I think a complete tale of two different stories between UVA and Notre Dame. Notre Dame has really been trying to figure out their quarterback situation. I think they finally did figure it out, um, but it took them a long time to get to this point. So Notre Dame is eight and one uh, coming into this game. Um, they run a two QB system um, with Jack Cohen being their primary passer. He's 159 for 242 on the year uh, with 1,879 yards, 13 TDs, and four interceptions. And then you have Tyler Buckner, who's kind of like their scrambler-esque quarterback. 
um, that has only thrown the ball 25 times, uh, 243 yards, three touchdowns, three picks. But he does have 35 carries on the year with 203 yards and two touchdowns. So, Hunter, in a, in a two QB system like this, um, you know, where have we seen this before? Um, and, you know, how do you think that, you know, Virginia can best prepare for something like this? Yeah, I know just in talking about it with you, I, I think you, you made the comparison to, to Florida with, with Kyle Trask and, and Emory Jones. I think to me, this is like a poor man's version of that. I think Jack Cohn is your like solid game manager style quarterback. He's not going to like win you a whole bunch of games, but he's also not going to lose you many games either. He's just going to do his job, get the ball to the people that need the ball in their hands and just try to get out of the way, frankly. Uh, Buckner is definitely a little bit more of a dangerous guy. Um, more of a dual threat. Um, you could argue he might be a singular threat, but it's mostly on the ground. Um, you know, that said, I, he's definitely made some pretty big plays in the passing game when people have overcommitted to the run. So he is capable of throwing the ball down the field. It's just, they're not going to line him up to do that super often. Um, but I think, yeah, like it, it, it's semi-effective. I've watched them a decent amount this year. Nothing's blown me away whatsoever from the quarterback play. I think it's good enough to win football games, you know, but at the same time, compared to what we played this year, um, you know, let's think back, all right? Like, we played against Sam Hartman, Sam Howell, played against Malik Cunningham, played against Tyler Van Dyke, who's come, turned out to be an incredible <laughs> quarterback. Uh, little did we know at the time. Uh, you know, even even uh, Jaron Hall at BYU. I think I would put all of those guys above the two guys they have here. Um, you know, as you'll get into here in a second – like I mentioned, they have other talented guys that are able to make them be able to just manage the game and, you know, just get the ball in the hands of the most dangerous players. And it's, you know, it's Notre Dame football. Like, it's classic. They're going to be sound. They're not going to beat themselves. They're going to be tough. They're going to be big and strong. But this team doesn't exactly have a, like, light up the scoreboard type of offense. Um, it, it's very different from a lot of the teams we see in the ACC this year that are very willing to get into a shootout with you. It very much reminds me of kind of like the pace that Wake Forest runs their offense. Honestly, like they're going to make you, they're going to earn every single, um, every single down, every single yard that they get. Um, it's, it doesn't really seem like that type of offense, just based off the yards that they put up this year. Um, it doesn't really seem like that. It's that offense that's going to be extremely explosive. Um, so it'll be really, it'll be, it'll be really interesting to see what you know, We've talked about that with other teams and, and, you know, with our deep, with the amount of holes that our defense has, we can make anybody look as explosive <laughs> as they want. I'll say, I, I think Wake is probably way more explosive than them even. I, I, I really think of this team as like your almost like old school Big Ten style. Like they almost remind me of like Wisconsin, or like mm -hmm. what you see out of Wisconsin. Better, Just, better offense than Wisconsin. But <laughs> Yeah, this year, but but maybe a more typical Wisconsin team that runs Absolutely. the ball really well, really physical, has a good tight end, and a quarter. I mean, literally, Jack Cohn played started at quarterback at Wisconsin for three years. I mean, sure. he's literally a Wisconsin quarterback playing on Notre Dame's team. Right. So that's what they remind me of. I think Wake definitely has more explosive players, and you know, they didn't just do that against us. They put up a ton of points against every team they played. That's true. I think Notre Notre Dame. Much more manageable, um, but where some of their strengths are, as you're about to get into with the running game, are where we have shown some of our biggest weaknesses this year. 
Mm-hmm. Exactly. And, you know, like you mentioned, we're, we're giving up over, I want to say about 251 yards uh, a game on the ground, um, which is mind blowing in, 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 in the slightest, right. Um, right. you know, it's, uh, it's horrible in every sense um, to what we thought would be a strong suit this year for this team. Um, you know, their, their leading rusher, the guy that gets all their carries, uh, Kyron Williams, um, he has 802 yards on the year. He averages five yards per carry, and he has nine touchdowns. Um, the offense is honestly going to run a lot through him. I expect through the, in this game, um, they're going to feed him the football. They, they see what our defense does um, against the ground attack. If I'm Notre Dame, I am running the football probably 75% of the time in this game, to be honest, and forcing our defense to stop the run. Yeah. Um, so it'll be really interesting to see what uh, what happens with that. Um, but Kyron Williams is definitely somebody to look out for. As far as the receiving group uh, for Notre Dame, uh, you know, Notre Dame is always one of those teams that loves their tight ends. You know, it's they've produced a lot of quality guys at that position. Um, Michael Meyer um, is no no difference. It's either Meyer or Mayer. I'm not totally sure. But I think it's Meyer. Uh, Meyer. Okay. So, yeah, I think that sounds about right. Um, so he leads their teams. He leads their team in, um, in receptions with 45. He has 493 yards and three touchdowns on the year. Um, so that's a guy that definitely that Virginia is going to have to keep an eye on and make sure they have somebody on him at all times. Um, and besides that, I think that really the only main, main other guy to look out for is uh, Kevin Austin Jr. Um, he's got 31 receptions on the year, 531 yards and five touchdowns. Um, so this is really a, a group that I think those are the two main guys to pay attention to. But I, I, like I mentioned earlier, I think Notre Dame is going to really pound the rock this week. Yeah. Uh, I'll, I'll throw out one additional one for you just because he's a local guy on their team that, that actually does get a lot of touches too is Chris Tyree. Chris Tyree, yeah. yeah. <laughs> he is the backup running back. He's also dangerous in the uh, return game as a kickoff returner. Hopefully we'll be booting him out of the end zone and not giving him a chance to return. Uh, but at the same time, you know, he is he's dangerous with the ball in his hands too. And, I, you know, it's one of those things that if we're able to stop Kyron Williams, well, then we got to worry about Chris Tyree too, because he is a almost as lethal second punch that is kind of in the exact same mold as, as Kyron Williams as a runner. For sure. For sure. And uh, one thing about Notre Dame is they're, uh, they're always very good in the trenches. Um, this yeah. is, this year is uh, something that's no different. Um, the offensive line is really going to have their hands full uh, this year with this front. Um, Isaiah Foskey um, has been incredible for Notre Dame this year. He has eight sacks on the year. Um, which is really some fantastic numbers for a defensive lineman. And, um, you know, he's also surrounded surrounded by guys like Jason uh, Adelola, Adem- Adem- I believe is the right word. Uh, yeah. And uh, Drew White and uh, Jack Kaiser, all of, you know, produced up on that front. Um, so definitely some uh, people to look out for. But I think if the offensive line can hold up against this defensive front, um, then I think UVA really has an opportunity to attack uh, to attack the secondary mm-hmm. um, because that's kind of one thing that I think has been been a little bit of Notre Dame's downfall is their secondary group this year. So yeah. I think it really bodes well for us to be able to throw the football this week. Yeah, and one really notable thing is I think they're going to be without their All-American safety as well, Kyle Hamilton, who has oh, been the one – bright spot um I, I shouldn't say the one bright spot but the brightest spot in their secondary this season for a you know a secondary that struggled a little bit has been Kyle Hamilton he's he's really honestly a, a great NFL level uh safety and he's been dinged up the past few weeks and been out I think I don't know if he's officially been ruled out of this game yet or not but 
from what I was reading on some Notre Dame forums, I think they're expecting he's, he's done um, at least for, for this week. Um, so I think that's just another thing to, that could play to our advantage. And, you know, whether we have Brennan back there or Jay back there, I think, you know, they're, we're going to be able to move the ball in the air. Um, it's just a matter of keeping up. <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. And uh, one last thing to note about this defense, they will turn you over. Um, they've done a pretty solid job of that this year. Um, they have 12 interceptions and five fumble recoveries on the year. Um, so pretty, pretty good numbers for, um, for the defense uh, there. But I think, uh, I think we'll do a pretty solid job of hanging on to the football, in my opinion, especially if, uh, you know, the offensive line continues to produce like it has all year. And, um, you know, I think, I think it's going to be a really good opportunity for, uh, for us to, you know, really, really swing the ball around. Um, yeah. Of and, the game. and I just took a look while you were, uh, while you're talking, it does look like Kyle Hamilton is supposed to be out for the game, according to uh, Chip Kelly seven hours ago, saying he has not yet been cleared by the doctors. And three of those interceptions, um, three of the 12 interceptions have been made by him this year. So just wanted to throw that out there. Um, doesn't look like he will be playing. And if even if he is, he definitely will not be 100% healthy. For sure, for sure. So should be interesting to see what happens, but I think it could be a good day for, for our offenses. You know, once again, as long as the defense holds up, they could. <laughs> I haven't been it. lacking those. Yeah, exactly. We could, uh, <laughs> we could probably put ourselves in a position to win, to possibly pull off an upset here, you know, as you know, as long as the, once again, as long as the defense really uh, holds its, holds its ground. So instead of uh, doing our typical keys to victory this week, uh, we wanted to kind of look into the two different scenarios since there's a little bit um, questions surrounding Brennan uh, for the game against Notre Dame. We kind of want to look at the quarterback keys if for both quarterbacks, like if Brennan starts and if Jay starts. So starting out with Brennan, um, some of the things that I think were uh, were stand out to me that you know he really needs to make sure that he does is first of all he needs to get the ball out of his hands early. Um, this defensive front is going to be applying a lot of a lot of pressure from the start, and he's definitely and they're going to want to attack his his ribs. I think um, really trying to make sure they can find a way to bring him to the ground and bring him to the ground hard. Um, so that's uh, I think that's something that's going to be really important for him get the ball out early, to avoid getting hit, um, and then also avoid getting hit on scrambles too, um, slide, run out of bounds, etc. I think we may see him a little bit more limited in the amount that he runs um, this week if he does play. So uh, should be should be interesting to see kind of how maybe the game plan changes a little bit with him on the field, um, and then also limit turnovers, keep the defense off the field as much as possible. Um, the longer the offense stays on, the more <laughs> the less pressure on the defense. I think uh, is would be really key in this game. Yeah. Um, and then jumping over to Jay, um, you know, Hunter, why don't you, why don't you kind of talk about you know what what you think is kind of big for for Jay if he gets his first career start this week. Yeah, so just before I go, I, I saw one pretty cool article actually on the front page of the, the Richmond Times-Dispatch today. It was uh, actually an interview with Jay's former football coach at Benedictine talking about how, you know, what kind of character he brings and how he's the type of guy that no moment is too big for him. Um, and I think that's like an awesome thing to hear coming into this game. Um, you know, he kind of got thrust into the moment at BYU in a hostile atmosphere and a not so ideal situation and I thought honestly you know put on a decent showing he, he definitely threw a couple incompletions as the game wore on but you know he came in and had two quick 20 yard throws um 
and I, I've been impressed with what I've seen from him so far. So I think if he can carry that same sort of maturity level and calmness, um, you know, why, you know, kind of being wise beyond his years as a true freshman, I think um, that would be a key to him having any success against this team, because, you know, I think that Notre Dame's defense would be salivating seeing a, a true freshman starting his first game against them in, in the primetime setting. Um, but I don't think they understand just how talented he actually is. Um, so it's, it's possible that they could underestimate him and think that they can just rattle him by blitzing. I think if, if they don't put people in coverage, our receivers still good enough to get open and Jay's good enough to get them the ball. So just hope that he can stay calm and composed and not just let the moment get too, too big right in front of him. I think, I think that's a key for him to be successful. Um, and then in addition to that, um, the kid's shown he has a great ability to run the ball. Um, he has he has very good vision. It reminds me a lot of Brennan running with the ball, maybe a little bit less power, but a little bit more finesse, a little bit more wiggle to him. Um, I know Sean's compared him previously to Russell Wilson, and I've seen that out there. Yeah, obviously that's a tough comparison to take on, but uh, you know to live up to. But at the same time, you know I don't see I see where people are coming from. He he definitely like has that style about him. He's not going to burn you necessarily. He's not like a top end speed guy, but he's got enough wiggle about him. And, you know, from what I've seen, he, he's made good enough decisions on when to run that I think he can actually be pretty effective on the ground as well, whether it's on design run plays or, or broken plays. Um, I think he could find some success there. So, um, you know, all of this to say, of course, we want Brennan to have the chance to start and play. I don't think it's exactly like throwing the towel if he's not healthy. Um, Jay is, is a great player. I'm not like people maybe haven't gotten to see enough of him yet. And, you know, it, what we have seen has been a little bit of mixed review, but I've seen enough tendencies out there and, and like a baseline skill level that makes me confident that, Hey, this, he's going to be okay. Like what, if he does get thrown in there, he's going to get comfortable as the game goes on. And I think he's actually going to surprise some people with just how good he is already at this level. Yeah, for sure. No, I couldn't agree more. And one thing that was kind of a little bit mind-blowing to me, I saw, I think, uh, in a uh, report from Brian Kelly that they're, they're prepping to they're prepping for the Wildcats if he starts the game on Saturday. And I'm sorry, like, I understand that he might be a little bit more run-happy because he doesn't want to force throws in his first start. But at the same time, Jay plays with that confidence that, I don't think he's going to be afraid to go out there and sling the football, especially when when UVA has been pretty clear that they don't have to change their offense that much if he starts. Um, you know, and I, and I could be completely wrong about this, but just from what I've seen, Jay has the arm talent to be successful. And so I'm really, I'm really expecting if he does get his opportunity, I think he's really going to take advantage of it, to be honest. I think he could too. I yes, really could so. see it happening. I know these coaches are high on him. They have a lot of confidence uh, in him, and I think he has a lot of confidence in himself. And I think he's, I think he's ready to bank on himself in a moment like this if Brennan can't go for any reason. Um, so one thing that I also want to point out, just for as far as like just an overall kind of key um, to you know Virginia winning this game, is keep this crowd and they really need to keep the crowd invested from the start. Um, you know, you can't go down super big early. Um, it's, it's a very hard thing to recover from. And when you have, you know, the people that are going to come to this game, you know, they're, they're going to be ready to see something exciting. They, they want to see the ball 
um, the ball being scored. They want to see stops. Like this crowd, I really believe is going to be probably the most invested than what we've seen from them all year. Um, so I'm expecting, you know, big, a lot of noise within, within Scott stadium. They really need to make sure that they start quick and can keep that crowd invested because they want, you want to keep that crowd having hope that you can pull off this, you know, big upset. Um, yep. you know, probably one of the bigger upsets that the program would have seen in a long time. Yeah. And you got to think like how good has UVA been at home over the past three years and, you know, even more so in night games, uh, you know, the atmosphere has been great. That's when we've seen the best fan turnout and participation. Um, got to use that to your advantage. Like you said, uh, tap into that, keep them invested and have it instead of being something that crescendos at the beginning of the game, we should be really getting the fans like at their peak in the fourth quarter. Um, For sure. I think that that is a definitely a big key and, and something that we can rely on. So yeah, I, th- I think, uh, you know, I, I know the fans will bring it, the ones that do come. I hope we get as many as we can out there, but I do know the fans that will be there will definitely be the ones that are that are really bought in. 100%. And all I ask is that we play Swag Serpent, not like three le- minutes left in the fourth quarter. Like, like, please, like, play it earlier on. <laughs> like, when, when the game is, like, you know, in, in the heat of the moment or something like that, like, I just feel like we don't have to limit it to that time. Right. Um, but, you know, that's just my personal opinion. But we'll see what happens. But regardless, I'm excited about this game. I'm excited to be back in Scott Stadium this weekend, um, bringing my dad to a, to the game, um, something that, you know, he's very much looking forward to, um, you know, getting yeah, game that ticket for his birthday. And, you know, I know this is going to be a, uh, a really fun, fun moment for the both of us to be able to share and everything. So definitely looking forward to, you know, getting back and tailgating with you and, you know, watching a really good football game. So last thing, as always, uh, we go over our score predictions, see if we need to make any changes based off how the season's going. Hunter, uh, how are how are our score predictions looking right now for this game? Just going to tell you right now, I think we're going to be adjusting them up a little bit. <laughs> okay. But we both expected a, a close, tight game with UVA ultimately losing. I think we both mentioned maybe like some late game separation from Notre Dame. Um, in the preseason, you predicted a 21 to 17 Notre Dame win, uh, whereas I predicted a 27 to 21 Notre Dame win. So we we're, you know, as always, kind of within the same region of each other. Austin, would you? I'm gonna say you're probably gonna change that scoreline, but you might keep the result. What, what are you thinking? <laughs> yeah, no, I'm. Uh, I'm definitely still gonna keep uh, Notre Dame winning this football game. Uh, but my score is going to change probably for the worse. Um, you know, I, I don't have a whole lot of faith in the defensive approach right now. And, you know, as much as I would like to think that the offense is going to be able to have a big day, um, I still – I know there's still a lot of questions surrounding things. And no, Notre Dame's going to be able to make those adjustments, um, I feel like. So I'm, I'm going to go with Notre Dame winning 49-24. to 24. Is going to be my my score prediction. Ouch. My my I'm sorry, but my 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 faith in the defense is at an all time low right now, and I just don't know if the offense is going to be able to do enough to keep up with the number of points that the I mean because I mean in all reality, you're playing a very tough pro football program that is hard nosed, and you know it's going to be it's going to be tough. It's going to be a very much a very much a grind, and you know I think I, I just I question how healthy Brennan's going to be. You know, if Jay starts, you know, is he going to be ready for the spotlight? 
there's just a lot of what ifs on the offensive side of the ball. So while I hope I'm wrong, I still I'm still looking at this from more of a defensive standpoint, and that I have no faith in them right at the moment. And so I'm going with them giving up 49 points, and it could be more. Whew. All right. Did I did I kind of put you back there for a second, for a little bit? <laughs> no, I, I, it's fair. I think everything you said is fair. Um, I'm just gonna I'm gonna break away from my typical pessimistic self, and I'm gonna do something I, I wouldn't normally do. I've had a good feeling about this game all year, even before the game season started. Oh God, you're gonna I, do it, aren't you? You're gonna do it, aren't you? <laughs> I'm gonna do it, man. I'm still thinking what score I want to go with. All right, I like this one. I think the Who's. I don't. I, I think it doesn't matter if Brennan plays or not. I think we're gonna somehow be able. To, I think we're gonna be able to move the ball. I think we're gonna be able to score enough points. Their defense has not been at the same level it always is, and I think I'm going to, without any real reason to do so, I think that the defense is going to be at least marginally better and good enough to get enough key stops, maybe make a turnover to get a sack here or there that, that is on a meaningful play to get enough, you know, enough stops that we, we can actually win the game. So I'm going to go 41 to 37 UVA. And I think it's going to be tight. I think it's going to be close to the entire game. I think we're going to be battling it out and it might come down to who has the ball last. I kind of have a feeling that Notre Dame might have the ball at the end of the game and UVA is finally able to make a big stop, maybe get an interception or something like that. Um, so, again, it might be against my better judgment, but I'm going to try to put a positive twist on this since, you know, the BYU game was such a big letdown. Um, yeah. I think that we can win this game. I would not be shocked at all if we do. At the same time, I think it's more likely Notre Dame wins, but I'm going to go ahead and support the boys um, just because I, I really am uh, – I, I really think this could be a huge win for the program. I, I agree. I, I like I like that. I love the confidence. I really do. <laughs> is and it confidence or is it just being willing? You might be to... a little bit stupid, but it, I love the confidence. It, I'll say it's not necessarily confidence. It's more of I just want to be that guy that predicted it right if it happens. <laughs> no, I completely understand. And honestly, I think I, I'm gonna I'm gonna change my score a little bit. I'm, I'm gonna say 38-24 Notre Dame. I think I think that much of a blowout loss. I just don't think it's going to happen. Now that now that I'm thinking about it, the last time we gave up point that many points was to UNC, um, and I think we definitely saw some improvements in the defense against Wake. Obviously, it wasn't great, but there the, the improvements were definitely there. Um, and the the defense has shown signs that it could be decent and could bend but not break. So I'm hoping that this might be a situation where it'll just be a bend, not break type game. And I'm hoping that maybe 38 will be all we give up. So I'm going to go 38-24 Notre Dame is my final prediction. Hey, fair enough. Can't, can't okay. really argue with it. I think that sounds realistic. For sure. So I hope, I hope I'm wrong, though, and I hope that you're right. That's, that's all I hope I'm, so, that's too. All, that's all I'm hoping for. So we'll, uh, we'll see what happens. Um, I just want to point out, I'm looking at ESPN right now, and uh, tickets are going on sale on Vivid Seats for $27. What? I bought so, some from my friend the other day for uh, 6 Like, I got cheated. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So, really, uh, really interesting to see that. But So, we'll leave it at, we'll leave it at that. But, uh, 
if you uh, if it, for everybody that's listening, you know, we appreciate you guys sticking around. Uh, be sure to stick around for the uh, the Will uh, Beverage interview uh, that's coming on right after this. And uh, you know, it was it was awesome getting to talk with him. We're thankful that he was able to come on and join us. And uh, so um, everybody have a good rest of their week. Hunter, as always, it was a pleasure and looking forward to being in Scott Stadium again with all the Who fans and uh, hopefully Virginia can pull out a victory. Yes, sir. We'll see you out at Fontaine on Saturday, man. Yep. All right. Go Who's. Go Who's. What's going on, everybody? We are here with uh, 2022 commit um, down from Miami, Florida, and Gulliver Prep High School um, kicker Will Betridge. It's awesome to have you on, man. Um, we're glad that we finally got this opportunity to uh, to meet with you and uh, kind of and kind of hear a little bit more about your story and kind of what led you to Virginia. How uh, how are you doing this evening, dude? I'm great. Thank you. Thank you for having me on. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, so, you know, we definitely want to kind of just kind of get to know your your personal story a little bit and uh, mm-hmm. kind of what led you to to Virginia, kind of your relationship with the coaches. And um, you know, I know I can speak for you know me and Hunter and you know, the rest of the UVA fan base and that we're very excited to have you um, in Charlottesville. Um, so to kick things off, uh, Hunter, I think you got, you got the first question for Will. Yeah, man, for sure. So, so Will, um, you know, thinking about like kickers that I, I, you know, we've normally had in the program that you see around the country, they usually have a background in a sport like soccer or rugby uh, where you're actually using your foot. But as far as I can tell, you actually have you grew up playing baseball. So we were kind of curious, like what got you into kicking and how quickly did it become apparent to you that, you know, yeah, you kind of have the talent to actually take it to the next level and play college ball. Yeah. So definitely um, the soccer background for me. Um, So right now I play football, basketball and baseball for my school. Um, But definitely the soccer background started, I think. So I started kicking when I was in, fourth grade but I started playing soccer super young and so it all started um I was at some soccer game and I was playing uh back in the defense so any ball that comes by you know I just got to boot it away and I think some ball came out and I kicked it went all the way over over the goal to the other side and then I called up to do a corner kick and I scored from the corner kick and after the game whatever some guys came up to me and my dad, and they were like, hey, like, we saw your son. Like, has he, has he ever thought about playing football? And, I mean, my mom was there, too, and she's like, well, you know, can't, I, don't, I don't like that, too young, whatever. <laughs> and I was like, hey, I mean, might as well try it out. You never know how it is. So fourth grade, you know, went to the park with people I'd never met before, and that was uh, the, the park I ended up playing at called the Palmetto Bay Broncos. So those are the coaches that, that came up to me and said, oh, we need, we need a kicker for – like our 90 pound pop Warner football team. Like, mm-hmm. can you come try out? Like whatever. I was like, yeah, sure. I'll try it out. First day went out there. I don't think I missed a kick from the, from, from like that first day, like all those little extra, I mean, all those extra points. And back then in pop Warner, extra points were two points. I mean, yeah, extra, extra points kicking it were two points. Cause no one really had a kicker. Like when you're that, <laughs> when you're that young, so kicked, I had time in my life, and I ended up probably quitting soccer after that season, and kind of football just stuck with me from there, and all through middle school, and I think probably about my eighth grade year going into my freshman year um, was probably the time when I was like, all right, like, I think I'm pretty good at this. Like, I think if I stick to it, this could be, this could be my my ticket. Like, this could be 
right. be my it. And I think it really hit me for sure um, when I came in my freshman year um, and I won the varsity spot as a freshman kicking. And I was like, oh, like, you know, I saw <laughs> those guys like Sean Moore, Deshaun Perry were there my senior, my freshman year, they were seniors. Um, so I kind of, that's how I kind of got to know them. And I was seeing them, you know, go to these big time programs just for football. So I think that kind of, that was the moment when I was like, all right, like if I take this seriously, like this can definitely go well for me. So definitely my freshman year, that's when I, I kind of knew I had something different. Um, then I went to a bunch of these different kicking camps and I mean, I was out kicking upperclassmen as a freshman. So that was another reason why I kind of kept with it. I was like, yeah, like if I'm being these older kids now, like I can't imagine when I'm a senior and, right. and now we're here. So. Well, that's awesome, man. Great journey. And you probably didn't know I, I share a background with you. I actually grew up playing soccer as well. So okay. was pretty curious about that. Several of my friends in high school were, were high school kickers too, but yep. they didn't really turn out quite as good as you. Yeah. <laughs> um, awesome, man. So so next question I got for you. So obviously anyone that like listens to Coach Mendenhall uh, speaking to the public, he's always focused on, you know, the whole emphasis or his mantra of and. Mm-hmm. So I was kind of curious, like, what do you consider to be your ands outside mm-hmm. of football? And um, obviously given, I think one of Broncos required ands is, you know, being studious and, and being, you know, bright in the classroom as well. Have you given any, any thought about what you might be majoring in when you get to get to UVA? Yeah. So I think as of right now, I'm probably between something like architecture or kind of like the, just the business route. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I take architecture in high school and, um, and I really enjoy it. Um, I know it's pretty, pretty tedious at the college level, especially at UVA. That was a really good program. Um, so kind of definitely just flip flop between that. Um, at least I know I don't have to kind of make it really don't have to make a decision until kind of like when I'm an upperclassman there, mm-hmm. but I think some of my ends definitely would be, I mean, I think the family aspect is huge. Um, just kind of staying, build, building a good relationship with, my family, um, having a good relationship, um, having that trust. Um, I think a big part of um, another and that I have is – I'm not sure what happened. <laughs> it's all good. No worries. Um, so I think I'm uh, probably talking about – I think that the stereotype about kickers, um, I think that was a big a big part of my and um, was just kind of getting a – getting to show, show like, kind of everyone has the same – you know, you think of kickers – yeah, they kind of just sit there, kind of just chill. I mean, you need them when you need them. Um, but other than that, they're kind of just like, kind of like the quirky people, which, I mean, that's kind of the stereotype everyone thinks of kickers. So I think kind of a big part of my end is to just kind of take away that stereotype, kind of be more vocal, um, kind of, I mean, vocal in recruiting and all that. Mm-hmm. Um, and just kind of be vocal all around, you know, help out anyone that I can help out. Um I think the biggest part, again, is kind of the stereotypes and just kind of break that stereotypes. Um, just kind of, you know, show that kickers aren't just everyone else and we're, we're, we're the same as everyone else. Uh, we're, we're just as important and all that. So I think that's a big end just to kind of show who I am and that I'm pretty much – I can do pretty much everything else you can and just kind of get, get, a, get our team out there, help our team the way I can and just show that For sure, man. we're all equal and all that. Yeah, so you're saying we can expect to see you uh, on kickoffs, running down the field, making the tackle on the return, man? I mean, you would, but kickoffs going to be in the in back in the end zone. So oh, hey, return. listen, man, right. I love the confidence. Fair. <laughs> fair, fair. <laughs> <laughs> well, listen, man, uh, you know, com- coming up through the many years of, 
of uh, Virginia football, I can tell you that there have been a lot of painful years of, of special teams and not having a consistent kicker that can make a make a kick beyond 40 yards. Um, so, you know, having uh, – I think that's one thing that's really changed ever since uh, Bronco and company has kind of come into the program is that they've, they've brought – they've really put an emphasis on special teams. And, um, you know, we've uh, – We've had guys like Delaney and, um, you know, and uh, Dunkel this year and, um, you know, more and more, you know, prospects that are coming in and uh, like yourself that are, you know, well-known kickers and, you know, are getting getting looks from top schools. And, you know, especially I've seen your highlight tape. I know that you can uh, you can definitely boot the ball. Yeah. Um, so but uh, so Bronco and uh, and company has kind of made it quite a splash down at Culver Prep with bringing in guys like uh, Mandy Alonzo and Deshaun Perry. Yeah. Um, did you – obviously you said you kind of got to know them uh, while you were considering Virginia mm-hmm. in high school. Um, so if – what was uh, what was kind of their message to you about kind of what to expect from uh, the Virginia football program? Yeah, so I was pretty close with um, Deshaun and Sean Moore, who also is a, a walk-on there from Gulliver. Um, so they were seniors my freshman year um, at Gulliver. And so I, I was pretty close to them being my teammates. And Sean Moore was actually my holder my freshman year. So he held for all my field goals. Oh, nice. um, so when they both went to UVA, that was kind of the time where I started hearing from Virginia, probably my freshman year. Um, just coach, um, just different coaches were talking to, 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 to Deshaun and Sean just about me because we couldn't really have contact at that time. But they were kind of just on me like, hey, like UVA is pretty interested in you, like, you know, keep the good work, whatever. So, I mean, I was still a freshman, wasn't really kind of expecting the way everything turned out from there. Um, but they were, their message, like kind of during the recruiting process, like once I was, once I had the offer and all that um, was pretty much that it's like the same as Gulliver, really. Um, so I guess my head coach at Gulliver, um, Coach Sims, went to UVA um, and he kind of, they kind of told me that, uh, coach Bronco coaches exactly like Coach Sims, um, kind of like the same type of person, the same same way they go through practice, um, kind of with a different different units and all that that they go over. Um, same same way that he disciplines the players, um, kind of the same way that they kind of both both have a very big uh, religious background, um, um, just super vocal in practice. Um, this big family atmosphere, and he said, and I know that now knowing Bronco personally, I can tell that him and my high school coach right now, Coach Sims, are pretty much the same person, uh, which I think played a big role um, in kind of finding find the right fit for me. Um, so I was also up with them um, on my official visit. Um, I hung out with Sean and Deshaun, and at least they, they knew me personally, which was pretty good, and they knew what I liked and what I didn't like. Um, so they knew what to show me around campus. And I think no matter what, just being going up and being a first year on campus, it just it's just some some sense of like having like that security of kind of like being good about just also already knowing people, um, especially people that come from the exact same area that I came from, same coaches that I came through up in high school. So they kind of know what I know and everything's kind of the same up there. And I think that was a big a big reason why just same atmosphere from Gulliver to Virginia. And I think, I think that's why they have such a great pipeline. Coach Sims coaches, coaches us just how he was taught, taught at, at UVA. And I think just it'd be a great, it's a great to go from coach Sims to coach Mendenhall knowing that they kind of coach the same way and all that and have just the same view on a lot of things, which is really helpful. Awesome. I love to hear that. Um, you know, I'm sure 
I'm sure it definitely helps a lot too when, you know, coming all the way from Miami, Florida to, you know, a small town like Charlottesville, uh, Virginia, it's nice to kind of have that, uh, I guess that comfort from, you know, guys yeah. like Deshaun and, um, and Sean. So, you know, it's definitely going to make that transition a lot easier for you. Yeah. Um, so kind of jumping into your recruitment process, what was that like for you? Um, and specifically, uh, what is your relationship like with special teams coach Rick, Ricky Brumfield um, along with the rest of the staff? Yeah. So recruiting process was definitely, I mean, I loved every minute of it. Like, I mean, not being committed was, it was a pretty, I mean, it was a really fun time not being committed, just talking to all different coaches and all that stuff, you know, just every other day, just new coaches from this school, new conference. And then when COVID happened, I mean, it was kind of just all virtual. So really wasn't able to see pretty much any campuses online, just FaceTimes, calls, texts, bunch of mail from all these programs. But when everything opened up in June, um, that was definitely really hectic. Um, so I think I ended up going on, I think, 12 visits in the month of June. Um, <laughs> so I was, yeah, it was busy. And I think one thing that really stood out about Virginia is, so they were probably, they were the one of the only like three or four schools. They were the first big school that offered me without um, really seeing me kick in person in my junior year. Um, so I guess a bunch of schools that I talked to, wanted me to come up in June and kick for him in person. Um, and then they would see how I placed against other kickers that came up to kick with them. And then they'd see who they offered. Um, and I think coach Meyer, um, who also coaches special teams and coach Brumfields, they were like, no, like we're going to offer you like you're our guy. Like we don't even need to see you kick in person, come up for an official visit, just chill. Don't even kick for us. Like we know you're a dude. Um, so that was definitely just a big, kind of on me like okay like they believe in me they already don't they don't even need to see me kick anymore like they know I'm their guy so that definitely was pretty big um and their message to me was just kind of the same thing you said kicking has not always been not always been a strong suit for them so they know that they need an accurate kicker who isn't going to miss kicks um and kind of just need someone just to just to be that guy in the special teams for them just a kid that's going to be out there be vocal and everything like that um, and Drew Meyer, me and him built a very good relationship. So I was probably on the phone with him at least two times a week since probably like my sophomore year. I was probably talking to him for over a year before I even got the offer. Um, and just the relationship I built with him is just a relationship that I'm never going to lose, even when I'm there, like super close, super tight, um, kind of trust him with whatever. Um, and I know he trusts me too. And I think that's, kind of just a, just a great feeling to have knowing that I'm going to get there. I'm going to have such a good relationship with pretty much my position coach already, um, which I know not a lot can say. And mm-hmm. I think that would, that was a pretty big, pretty big factor. And I know coach, coach Brumfield was right next to him the whole way um, recruiting me from pretty much my sophomore year. Um, and I mean, as a kicker, like not a lot of people get recruited um, at like, well, especially not a lot of kickers get scholarships. Um, and them recruiting me that early um, told me that they're super interested um, and they weren't, they weren't playing around. Like there's a bunch of coaches that they talked to, you, you know, kind of just not really wasting your time, but you knew they weren't like really interested. And I know every time I talk to the coaches at UVA, whether it's Bronco, um, Drew or coach Brumfield, like I just knew they were thinking that I was their dude and they let me know, they let me know that, I was there, dude, I'm going to come in there and compete day one. So I think just the relationship we built was definitely 
probably one of the best reasons uh, why I ended up picking them because, I mean, what we have, what I have with those coaches right now, and I'm not even there yet, is something that, I mean, I definitely won't take for granted. And I definitely know that that's a big reason um, that they trust me already. Um, so, yeah. Yeah, that that's awesome, man. And definitely, uh, I, 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 I can hear where you're coming from, where, you know, you already feel like they got faith in you and you know, have trust in your ability to come in and be able to, you know, make an impact day one. So, um, and, and another thing you mentioned, yeah, not many kickers get actual scholarship offers. No. Right? Like a, a lot of the time it's preferred walk-on spots yes. and maybe even just having to walk on the team and, uh, you know, earn your spot and maybe yes. get a scholarship down the line. Um, so hopefully, yeah, that, that was communicated to you as a huge uh, leap yeah. of faith, um, but you definitely earned it, man. Um, so, so one thing that, you know, it's just been awesome, you know, seeing you out there on Twitter, interacting with the fan base, yeah. obviously like we wouldn't probably be here having that conversation if you weren't so like, you know, just involved already with yeah. the fan base. Mm-hmm. So, you know, what's it been like getting a chance to meet some of the fans before you've even officially stepped foot on grounds? Yeah, I think to me, that's, that's kind of the best part of all this to, to be able to meet people who know me and know who I am just because of football is just, it's just a blessing. It's just a great opportunity just to, I mean, just meet new people. Like I'm a little, just a small kid from Miami and I can go to Charlottesville already, not even being on campus and already have people like that know who I am, that know my name and stuff. It's just, it's just crazy when you think about it. Like I just would not have thought that that would be me in this situation. And that's why now that I'm in this situation, I just, I'm going to make the most of it. I'm going to be vocal to whoever and, what I think the, the best part is when you get on those visits and, you know, you're with all the other recruits and they all know who you are. And I think it's just a great feeling just talking to people that, that you know, you're, you're, they're going to, they're going to be cheering for you for the next four years. Um, for sure. So I think that's a, that's a pretty big thing. And I know whenever you, these guys come up to the games, I know a bunch of fans sometimes um, they're always not, they always don't want to sometimes bother recruits really, but, think oh they're there to watch the game but for me like if I'm at a game and you see me like I want to talk to you like that that's just so cool for me just being able to talk to these people that know who I am and all that which I just find crazy so like if any of you guys that listen to this whenever this airs I'll be at the game against Notre Dame you see me say what's up card conversation I'll be more than happy to talk to you about anything about the recruiting process whatever you want to take a picture I love it so I think that's probably one of the greatest parts about this just all these people meeting new people from pretty much all around the country that follow UVA and and know about the team and all that so that's definitely a big part so I think that's just yeah, yeah definitely one of the coolest parts for sure yeah well we we're gonna have to take you up on that offer on uh, on Saturday man I know definitely I'll be there for sure so yeah we'll be at the game for sure so we might have to hit you up a little bit and for sure. come say what's up definitely awesome awesome well uh we got one final question for you, um, Will, before we let you go. Um, so you you held offers from, you know, top schools like Florida, LSU, and Michigan. Um, obviously, you're a very talented uh, kicker throughout the country, and, you know, getting getting offers from schools like that is a big deal for any recruit in the process. Yeah. So what was the driving factor that ultimately led you to commit to the University of Virginia over those big, big schools? Yeah, so I think – Part of my decision um, was really just about how much um, how much my worth is and how much I could help out the program. So definitely some of those other bigger schools, um, they were taking like a bunch of walk-on kids every year. 
Um, so I knew they kind of, I mean, as much as it was a scholarship, like they still had a bunch of numbers and all that. Um, and I think Virginia, um, kind of, as I said before, um, they just believed in me since day one. Um, kind of just the whole coaching staff. I mean, especially in June when they know they, they really couldn't have offered me during COVID. They could have waited and, um, until I was on campus, until I took a visit for me to kick them and then to, for me to kick for them and then they could offer me. Um, but no, they, they, they knew I was their guy even during COVID, which was crazy. Um, they knew I was their guy, which was big. Um, the relationships I built um, with Coach Bronco, uh, with Coach Bronco, Coach, just all the, the whole coaching staff, especially Drew Meyer. Um, me and him, the relationship we talked about before is just something that I know I couldn't pass up on. I know I didn't have that with any other coach at any of their schools um, that I was talking to. Um, I think another really big factor, um, kind of like I said before, was that I, I like, like family is just a big part of me. Um, so kind of um, already knowing I have people from Gulliver there was pretty big, big family aspect there. And on my dad's side of my family, which my dad's mom and her daughter and cousin, um, that whole side of the family lives in Virginia and McLean. Um, so I know that that's a pretty big deal for me, knowing that my baby cousin, who's I mean, not really a baby, but I know he's looking up to me and for him to be able to come to all my home games, um, any game that he can, I think it's pretty, just pretty big for me. Um, and I know, I know that's big for him. I know he looks up to me. So it's just kind of cool just to know I have family nearby. So if anything happens, I know, Hey, I got, got my grandma like an hour, an hour and a half away. Um, sure. so I think that's also a pretty big deal. Um, and also just the, just the environment there. I really like, um, they're not too, they're not too showy and flashy like some of those other big programs who kind of only, only want those big five-star, four-star guys. Um, UVA kind of, they know their dudes. They don't care about how much you're, what you're ranked or anything like that. Like they know, and they won't offer you, they won't just throw out offers. Um, they really just want to build a relationship with you and just get to know you better as a person, which I mean, as a recruit, this means a lot knowing that they're taking time out of their day and their family just to just get just to get you know better just to get to know you better um i think that was a big another big factor and i think just all that together just i knew it was the right place and so i was i actually committed on on my official visit um so that was the last month in june so i don't think i posted it probably for maybe another like month or something so i mean i knew i was committed there um, and I didn't tell any other coaches or anything like that from other schools because um, I, I knew that was the place when I was on my official visit and I was talking with Bronco and all the other coaches at his house. And we were just talking about the weekend and all that. And when he asked me, I was like, Coach, like, I want to commit with, like, all the special teams coaches and all that. And I don't know, it was just a big family, just a big family environment that, I mean, I already feel part of the family um, already. And before I was committed there, I already knew that they would take me in open arms um, to be a part of that family. So those, those reasons definitely are the reasons why I chose there. And, and it just, just felt like home when I was there. And just, I mean, I know the coaches were ecstatic when I picked it and I mean, I couldn't, can't see myself anywhere else. So that's awesome, that's awesome. man. That's yeah, so cool. That is really cool. That's such a cool story. And, um, yeah. you know, it's, I think it's, it's something that I think we're seeing more and more of um, for the, for the guys that do decide to, you know, commit their four years to um, Virginia, is, it's a common a common theme of you know how much of a family it is yeah. uh, within that coaching staff and within that team, and um, and it's uh, 
it's something truly special that you know we're definitely uh, we're definitely excited to have you be a part of. Definitely. Well, I, I don't mean to go off script, man, but I did want to ask you. Just yeah, came I'll to be... mind as as you're talking about being at Bronco's house. I know mm-hmm. sometimes during recruiting visits, he has like a rite of passage thing that uh, recruits have to do. Did you did you have to do anything like that? <laughs> yeah. So we had a we had to ride horses. Uh, <laughs> out there. Um, Get the Florida coming, boy on coming, the horse. Coming from Miami, like you don't really see horses that much, like or horses at all, like period. So like. At Bronco's house, when he told us we had to ride horses, I was like, "Yeah, like I mean, whatever, like let's go for it." And that was that was the first time in my life that I rode horses, so it was just kind of, and it was and it was like with all without all the other recruits, without our families, just me and Bronco riding horses, just <laughs> in the woods somewhere. I don't even know, um, in the backyard. And I mean, that was just a just a just a deep conversation we had, just like man to man, just about life, not even really about football, which. I mean, which kind of was another reason why I knew it was the place I wanted to be. We just we we're talking like like we were family. Um, wasn't really about oh you should come here because of this. Um, don't go here because of this. Like he just genuinely wanted to know like how I was and all that. And I think that was a, another big reason. And we also we also went in the pool. We had like a little little dunk contest with all the, the recruits <laughs> off the diving board and all that. Um, so those are definitely some things that that we did at his house. I mean, alongside the other crazy amount of stuff we did on my official visit paintballing which i mean i killed all the coaches in that but they all know <laughs> all the coaches especially you coach mac if you listen to this ever like you, you remember what i did you in paintball so i mean that, that was definitely really fun i mean just i mean going to his house and knowing that i mean he told us all all the recruits that were there that weekend that if you're there on the team the house his house is your house um any of the recruits i mean any of the players can stop by whenever, send him a text, be like, hey, coach, like, I'm going to I'm gonna go fishing in the backyard, you know. And he, he has his house open to everyone, um, all the players, which, I mean, I find great just that the coach has that much trust and, I mean, all the players, which tells you the guys that he's recruiting, the guys that end up committing there are just, are just different than all the other guys that go to these other schools. Um, just CBA, just everyone, everyone knows that everyone's trustworthy and everyone's working hard for the same goal, so. Yeah, man. And, and, you know, as, as Broncos said, like, you know, in press conferences and things like that, he's like, I'm not going to offer someone, I'm not going to bring someone here that I don't personally like, yeah. like to be around and enjoy. Yeah. So, I mean, you're going to be walking into an environment with a bunch of people that are a lot more like you than different from you in that regard. Yeah. So that'll be cool. For sure. That's awesome. That's awesome. Well, well, I got one final question before yep. we'll send you off. Um, what's your career long um, kicking wise? And uh, if, if you haven't gotten the opportunity to kick it to this point, what uh, what's the farthest distance that you can kick from? Um, so my career long in practice is 65. Oh, 65? Um, yeah. And that's a, last that's an week, NFL record, um, my guy. <laughs> and then last week in the game, I hit um, I hit 50, 51 last week. Um, so definitely, I mean, it's a big difference between kind of practice and in the games. Um, but I'm blessed that I have – a high school coach who is going to let me try from beyond 50. Um, so, and I know if I can prove it in high school, then I mean, I can do it in college as well. So, yeah. For you sure. know, we had Justin Tucker here on the podcast with us. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> for sure. For sure. Well, that's awesome, man. Well, uh, once again, you know, we really appreciate you uh, taking your, uh, taking time of your evening to come on and uh, talk with us. I know our listeners are going to be um, ecstatic to, um, to hear about you and um, kind of your process coming to uh, University of Virginia. And I can, yeah. I know I can speak for all, all of us UVA fans that so we're excited to see you and 
in uniform next year and, and seeing what kind of uh, what kind of things you'll be able to do uh, for this football program and the impact that you're going to make. No doubt. Thank you. Thank you guys for having me on. Yeah, thanks, Will. Appreciate it, man.